Welcome back our listeners to the Radcliffe Varden Design Incubators Technology Conversation. Today, I would like to welcome Leo Castaneda. Leo's practice encompasses film, video games, and mixed media installations, as well as drawing and painting. Um, th thank you, Jacek. Thanks for having me, and thanks to uh, FIU for uh, all the support that you've given me over the years as well. So what's new, Leo? I think uh, I look at your website and I see a lot of new initiatives coming out of your studio and uh, a lot of exciting things. I see that you're exploring new possibilities with VR, you're exploring new possibilities of kind of the intersectionality of game world and visual arts, but how? Tell us maybe a little bit more about how did it all started. You're a classically trained artist coming mm -hmm. from an artist family. Uh, yes. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up in Colombia, in, in Cali, Colombia, and I was very fortunate enough to be born into a family of artists and architects. So my parents, through uh, their upbringing, weren't able to be uh, artists full time, but they got into architecture and they were always drawing around me. And my mom's mom was an artist full time. She's um, from Brazil, from the Amazon, and she would do these uh, like abstractions of the Amazon. So I basically grew up around this environment of these older generation of artists from my city in Cali, Colombia. But at the same time, I grew up uh, watching anime, playing video games, and these basically global media that was coming from Japan and the United States primarily. And, and that I, as a child in Colombia, was experiencing the same uh, media as someone here in Miami or in many parts of the world. So, um, do yeah due to the situations in Colombia that like my parents didn't have much work in the late 90s with the with the whole like you know like political situation there like there wasn't much construction and and we were going through a challenging times so they they moved to Miami well first to New York and then it was too cold uh, so to Miami and um, and it was a very easy transition for me as a 10 year old because. Um, Basically, yeah, at least when, with my interest, the, the kids around me still had the same interests. Like I was still play video games, uh, watch anime, and and I could still have access to art. Uh, and then when, um, when it came to high school, my mom uh, got me to apply to New World High School, to New World School of the Arts. And that was a pretty amazing experience, like a, yeah, a really excellent educational experience. Um, mostly focused on technique. Um, uh, so like a lot of like figure painting, figure drawing, and basically like prepping for art college. Um, though on the side, I was always drawing spaceships and like sci-fi settings that weren't necessarily the, the things that the, the, the art teachers were, um, were um, encouraging, like because they wanted to build these uh, portfolios to get into college. Uh, but basically, when I was in the crossroads of at university education, I, I, was, I really wanted to go to Art Center College of Design in California to study entertainment design to draw for movies and video games because it would just be like a continuation of what I would do as a kid of just like, yeah, react to video games and anime and like, yeah, draw those over and over as many kids would do. Um, which led into like my own sci-fi type work. Uh, but but then I decided to, I, I got into Cooper Union in New York and I decided that maybe it was a little bit 
better to become a more overall well-rounded artist um, because uh, Cooper would establish more of a conceptual foundation that maybe was the part that I lacked more. Like I had a lot of connection to my imagination and technique, but, but um, I didn't really think about it that much. Uh, so, you know, so yeah. So, I was sorry. thinking, Leo, about uh, the role of landscapes in your life because you always refer in all texts that you, that you publish about your work of an idea how much of the influence over you had the landscape of the of the Brazilian forest, right? When you were visiting your grandmother and how you're responding to this as uh, some kind of environment that build up your sort of imagination of a spatial environment. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, with, between that and the landscape of Colombia, like in, in Colombia, I grew up in an area where many times the, the clouds and the mountains would meet and it would create this kind of like hybrid space where you don't know, you wouldn't know where ground and sky would. And then in the Amazon, uh, yeah, I, grew, I both grew up around my grandma's paintings of those spaces where there was also this sense of like, you don't really know where the ground and, and sky would start. Like she does these paintings of uh, Igapos, which are like when the river rises and it overtakes the, the land and basically it turns into almost like a mangrove forest and then like the, the sky gets reflected on the water and yeah basically um uh, that that in combination with like epic video game environments and hollywood environments uh like all of those kind of influence the digital spaces that i do i wouldn't say that there's one that overtakes the other they're, they're kind of all coming in together at the same time uh, but well, yeah, I, would, I would definitely say that yeah, there's subconscious and subconscious influences from those spaces I grew up in, and conscious like enhancements of those subconscious influences. If that makes sense, but 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 at first it's subconscious, just like the kind of uh, yeah, like very like emotionally driven connections or or just uh, in the moment connections. What was your first VR project? How did you get into it? And uh, what essentially happened as an artist when you explored a new medium for you? Uh, um, okay, so in, in maybe the long story version of uh, my education, I was gonna get to um, in the middle of Cooper Union, I was kind of in an artist block and I decided to uh, do paintings based on video games. So it would kind of bring back this need to do concept art for video games or movies. Um, so I adapted uh, the structure of concept art for video games of like progressing from one level to another level to another level. Uh, and usually a video game has a, a boss at the end. So some kind of traditionally an antagonist figure or some kind of conflict situation. So, so yeah, so that was uh, 2009. So yeah, 11 years ago. Yeah, a little bit over 11 years ago that, that towards the end of my, of my schooling there and I started the this game series um so it was called levels and bosses just basically using the terminology from gaming uh, so the first few that experience uh, it was mostly a painting and drawing series with some uh some pieces that would be more like interactive sculpture or somewhat like performance based on the kind of mythology this like abstract mythology that came from the creation of the the paintings to kind of like build out like what the characters would be. Uh, but then over time, um, I realized that it should be a video game at some point. So that's 
where I started kind of like teaching myself the digital technology through like different online courses and and basically yeah like kind of building different VR projects as almost like a training grounds to what the video game would be eventually so so I did a different almost like site specific uh, VR installations where you would and also like really working with the sculptural form of the virtual headset so not just having the virtual head, reality headset in the room, but but a, a sculptural attachment that would relate to some of the video game mythology um, characters or or designs, like a lot of like these kind of like abstract amorphous uh, beings that would be the the bosses and the protagonists of, of the game. Um, so yeah, so I've done a bunch of these like smaller. VR experiments that usually relate to some kind of painting situation or some kind of sculpture that one uh, interacts with that looks like the forms that you see inside of the, the virtual space, but they're all leading up to, to this video game that I'm working on now. So that's, but, but the video game has been designed for the last 11 years through the paintings and all the, all the works before it. So it's almost like, like they're all part of the same project, but, but, uh, but yeah, like prototypes of now this prototype of what will be eventually like a full-fledged like multi-hour video game. Yeah. I remember at some point you were working with the 3D printed sculptures that if I remember correctly, they were coming out of your gaming environment and there were essentially uh, media files that are translated into STLs and printed out. So maybe tell us a little bit more about how things come back from the virtual world to, to kind of three-dimensional world and they become sort of analog objects? Mm -hmm. um, well, so, so, yeah, the, the sculptures vary. And uh, well, first of all, I think I haven't reached like a peak of sculpture with 3D printing. I think they've mostly been, uh, yeah, like, like I've printed out sculptures that have been in the virtual space to, to see them, but I think there's much more exploration and, and artists, including yourself, have, have have explored what the the 3D print, 3D printed media can do in more thorough terms. But like a yeah, like a like a extraction or like a yeah, like a physical manifestation of something that's already virtual. Uh, some of the objects that I've printed have been uh, 3D models of uh, future virtual reality sculptures, like virtual reality furniture pieces that that um, that I've never done. That because I don't think I'm really good at building um, like physical sculptures. So so I have a lot of sculptures that are more uh, yeah in virtual spaces. So I printed some of them and and they make nice tabletop objects <laughs> for now. But but I think the the potential for um, for really exploring the medium is of uh, 3D printing is something that I need to, to to put in more work in like yeah for example yeah 3D prints on paintings or or uh, or like very uh, you know high end production accessories for for sculptures like all those things are are things that I want to do eventually but I haven't I haven't tapped into enough um, but but there's something really nice about the tactility of designing something on the computer and then ha having it uh, appear materially, which, yeah, it, it's, a, it's almost like a slightly different process of 
having an idea of an object and then sculpting it in clay and then becoming like a real thing. Uh, yeah, because you have an idea, then you kind of sculpt it in a simulation and then it comes out like it is. But, but yeah, but, but again, I, I feel like I'm, I'm just scratching the surface there. Like it's not something that... Right, it is a constant balancing between those two sort of worlds, right? The world in the VR headset and the world of a physicality where the tactile quality of uh, something is very relevant for you when you touch the model or whatever experience mm -hmm. you sort of have with the striation marks or, or whatever whatever those models essentially produce. Mm -hmm. what, what kind of VR headset do you use at this point? Um, I have a older, well, not older, but just a few years old, the HTC Vive. Um, though primarily the, the work that I've been doing the last year and a half or two has been screen-based because I want my video game to at first be a, a traditional gamepad experience. Just so, so yeah, just in case there's, I mean, there's more people that have access to, have access to screens than there are to VR headsets, but Unreal Engine, the program that I use is compatible with VR and screens um, and also AR. So there's, there can be multiple entry points to the, to the work uh, eventually, but, but yeah, I have a HTC Vive from 2017 or 16, yeah. So, so I think uh, the whole idea of um, going into your virtual environment allows us to experience the worlds that you that you envision in your in your kind of analog work at some point and is this work a translation or is it sort of a new manifestation of those worlds or how do you how do you really reconcile your multiplicities of artistic interest in in the kind of uh, production of works that are synthesizing all of the skills together in some way mm -hmm. Uh, when I when I first started doing the paintings based off of the concept art structure in video games, um, yeah, like conceptual concept art, almost uh, that that was a linear approach. That was here's a world that is analog manifested in an analog painting or drawing, and then it will it will be a virtual world eventually. But but um, yeah, the as I learn more and more, the virtual process has become more of a feedback loop. So sometimes. Uh, I'll do a drawing and then the drawing can become a texture or a virtual space and then I take a photo and then I make a painting from the screenshot and then the screenshot can go, the, the painted screenshot or sections of it can go back as textures to, to the virtual world. So it's more like creating a, yeah, like a, like a feedback loop where there's no original or there's no endpoint. It's just like basically every, every work can become part of a new work and yeah, so that, that, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. But uh, now that I'm kind of organizing the video game part a little bit more, it's, it's yeah, it's been curious to have this kind of freeform uh, method also intersect the production dynamics of a video game, which have been a, a, a little bit more, uh, it, it's taken a little bit more organization than a, just a standalone VR piece, because it's more like, like there's a little bit of, not necessarily like, dialogue based narrative or something but like i have to plan out the scenes uh um thanks to work, working at fiu for two years plus uh the le's uh and WaveMaker, i was able to save up money for to, to to be able to have a programmer help me for the last nine months so that's also been an interesting experience to to have this like 
freeform feedback loop of analog to digital, but also having someone that is doing very technical things to help me. So like, yeah, basically having like Google Docs and spreadsheets of communicating like what, yeah, like what the energy systems are within the game, what, yeah, like what, how, yeah, how to translate the interactions into very tangible, um, yeah, like flow charts of code that then can have an art artistic expression at the same time. So, so yeah, it's, that's it. It's an interesting thing that you're just describing here because it's the process and that process might be sort of counterintuitive to artists who are kind of studio-based. They work alone, they want to be left alone in, in certain kind of process. But here, your work is based on some kind of uh, syner synergy and uh, ecosystem of collaboration. You, you talk about spreadsheets, exchanging documents, exchanging codes. So how do you really grasp this new modality of working as an artist who, who was trained in the environment of being alone in a studio and so just looking at uh, more into kind of your inner side of, of kind of expressing your thoughts in some different way? Um. Well, overall, still figuring it out. I, I definitely think that there's a, a lot of room to grow, and yeah, and, and actually, I've, I've worked with with two programmers because one ended up, yeah, it was just like a short time, and then she ended up getting a job at a at a big video game company. Um, uh, but in the with the first programmer, I went in full free form, just like okay, I'm an artist. Uh, uh, let's figure this out full free form and and iterate and it was it was a great experience but I realized that uh, yeah she was a little bit lost sometimes because I wasn't as organized <laughs> um, and with the second programmer uh, I'm so still growing but uh, I, I feel like yeah it was really good to to have the first programmer experience and actually some interactions that are key to the game came from that process of wandering and not fully knowing what was going to happen. But with the second programmer, it's been almost a, a little bit of a hybrid approach. So like a little bit more organization, uh, and then some, some, and then like some periods of wandering. Uh, but uh, I, I still feel like there's a lot of room for artistic expression because the the programmer doesn't do any of the aesthetic choices. So it's basically like in a building. Uh, how, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, sometimes there are come from the engineering side of things like if you do all the electrical and plumbing work and and yeah all, all of that that there are some innate limitations that then the interior designer architect is going to have on right. top i was but, just going to ask you about this so some of yeah. your choices in in the realm of aesthetic zone in the realm of your kind of conceptual approach to the work were probably limited or diverted by the input from from existing technology or for ability of a programmer to really execute whatever your vision was right uh yeah well uh, some things limited but i think a lot more things have become even expanded so i think that before uh before working with a programmer um uh, yeah I, I mean i would be able to kind of hack away at things and get like code from other places and like jump it together with a 3d model that i would make and like jumbles of textures and i can still do that but the only thing is that i can be like okay uh, like his name is jaime uh just graduated full sale university so um so i'll be like jaime like do you think this can happen that if for example like the some of the interaction or most of the interactions in the game are based on intensity so 
So, uh, so it's kind of like using a little bit of the traditional structure of gaming interaction, but also having choice of how one intensifies actions for them to be caring or destructive. So uh, let's say something that we talked about last week. Oh, so if, Jaime, is it possible if one has touch held to, to be crawling while one is like having like a vibrational touch into the landscape and that uh, it stabilizes the landscape around the character as it walks through and then he'll be like, okay, I'll figure it out. And then we'll, we'll talk about, okay, well, you need a, 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 an invisible sphere of collision. So like the, like basically in, in video games, the, the it's, it's basically a supermarket that like how you have scanners at supermarkets <laughs> of like scanning different things, except there could be any visual expression and conceptual expression to what these scanners are. But all right, so let's say there's an invisible sphere sphere around the player that's activated when one is in touch mode, which is like basically, yeah, just activating the the node that 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 says that one is in touch mode. And and if one is moving at a certain speed, like similar to how one could, you have the speedometers and on the on the road that can tell that a car is going too fast. <laughs> yeah, same thing. And then. Uh, you know, like then you have a visual and conceptual expression of the landscape stabilizing around the player. Like so. So, anyways, for me to have to figure that out without a programmer would take a lot more work. Um, and I could still control the the visual expression of how how that looks like. So, so I, I do think that it's expanded the possibilities a lot more. Like, uh, I think there's probably a, a a sweet spot in a yeah in teams like. Triple A video game teams are sometimes very limited creatively because maybe they have too many cooks in one pot or too much investment together, so that they have to make safe bets. But uh, whatever the limits of video game expression that there have been till now are completely arbitrary. The they're as expansive of, as any kind of artwork or any kind of interactive expression in the world that's ever existed to a certain extent like they're I mean they're not as complex as the real world like with like atoms and all those things uh, but the yeah the, the the possibilities are pretty pretty endless like wh whatever the the connections are that the programmer has to yeah like the electrical units if we use a, the the comparison to a building, the the electrical the engineer that connects the, a light switch uh, that then an architect or a designer puts makes the light switch look pretty and control and connect to a, a beautiful light. The light can be a portal. The light can be a a voice. The light can be uh, can slow down time. The, the the light switch can do anything basically. So it, it it's uh, yeah, it's been, it's been it's been really nice to to be able to understand that and, and also know that, it, that it's just scratching the surface that I don't really know that much and that collaborating with other people that know more over time can lead to even yeah broader possibilities for sure it's fascinating so what's mm -hmm. next for you um, well th this video game um, and um, I don't know if it's next next month or coming soon. It says next month on their website, so we'll we'll, we'll see if it's still happening. I, I have a a small solo show with Tile Blush Gallery, 
which will have some paintings that are related to the process of making the video game. Um, in particular, what I'm working on now, which is like this kind of like 15 minute prototype demo, uh, or what they call in the gaming industry, the vertical slice. So like, like a polished version of what the game could feel like in the future, but you know, within a, a small scale because of limitations of staff or, or just being me and my, and the programmer. Um, yeah. And then fortunately, uh, I was asked, um, uh, a few weeks ago, randomly to be part of a exhibit at um, this place in Switzerland called HEK House of Electronic Arts or House of Electronic. Uh, wow, congratulations! <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, it, it's a group show in September uh, for um, for that's called Radical Gaming on uh, on like basically yeah different artists from different parts of the world that are working in on video games. Uh, so that ends up coinciding. Uh, well with finishing up this uh, video game demo so that I can show it there as a first place. So basically gonna work from now till the end of August to wrap up the, the video game. And the, the idea is to also have it available uh, online at the same time. So it's not just uh, not just in the physical location, but there it can have a little bit of a physical installation. So, so, so that it's kind of like a hybrid Kind of like video game booth meets art installation. So Leo, where can our listeners see some previews of your newest work? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm I'm really bad at social media, but you can you can uh, follow my Instagram, and I'll post every once in a while. Or, but I need to get better at it, so maybe I'll post more frequently. And so what's that? Uh, it's at Leo Castaneda, and then two underscores, and then I also have a an Instagram that is dormant, but hopefully opening up soon now that the video game is picking up, which is uh, at levels and bosses for, for the video game. And then, and then yeah, website. Um, I got the domain name a long time ago, so it's my full name, leonardocastanea.com. And then I also have a website for the video game, levelsandbosses.com. So looking forward to seeing your new work and thank you so much for your time and hopefully we can meet soon in person. Yes, no, thank you so much, uh, Jacek. And yeah, and thanks to you and FIU for the support over the years. Like seriously, without having worked at FIU for two years as a visiting instructor, I wouldn't have been able to save up the funds to be able to work with a programmer. So it's it's like an integral part of the the experience of my, my growth. So I, I'm really thankful. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.